Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. But I actually just saw the Undertaker go past on a motorbike or side by house. What act are going back and forth? Got an ass like an amphitheater. It begins with a U. It ends with an A. There's a meal this up there. Monday Night Raw, number Welcome everyone to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review as the other Cultaholic lads are decking their halls with boughs of holly. We are here via our Ico Proud Power DeLorean decking our halls with Thurman Pugs. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, Cultaholic's reigning heavyweight champion, don't do me wrong TLC, Tom Campbell, I'd be with the bear in the big blue bar cage. The head pen of Cultaholic doesn't need a pencil. If you're buying him a pencil for Christmas, he is going to shove it up your bum hole. It is Justin Henry. He needs a pen to get it right every time. And he is off of America. Yo, yo, what's up? Yo, yo, and indeed, yo. You know, what's lovely about this episode, Justin? Mm-hmm. There's two reasons why this is a lovely episode. Number one, it features a wrestler who was on Monday Night Raw this past week in real time. Yes, I, I believe it is a first in terms of uh, someone who wrestled on both the real-life Raw and the Raw that we're looking back at, which is quite interesting because it's 25 and a half years ago. I know, right? It's ridiculous. So that is exciting. We'll get you to who that is in just a sec. But the other reason is... The other reason why it's exciting, watch this, Justin. Watch this little trick. Watch this little trick. <laughs> Any long-term fans will know the significance of this particular battle cry and what it means when it bounces back at me. Here we go. Here we go. <clears throat> John! Thank you, guys. Now, the rumor and innuendo is this week's Raw is harder to swallow than a blue tube. Chat me up on this. <laughs> That's right. It's Conrad Thompson, and he is off of America. What's <laughs> up, <So>, Conrad? <laughs> I lost it myself. It's John Eiley. It's Photoshop John Eiley through his voice. Chat me up. Why are we having a Mortal Kombat mirror match here on this show? (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing, guys? Oh, mate. Merry Christmas. And you. So, John Eiley. Actually, Justin, please, if if people are new to the Cultonic Classic Raw Review, please explain the significance of the gentleman joining us today. Well, John Eiley is the man who does all of our photoshops whenever we have a verbal flight of fancy on the show, whenever our words create very unusual images. Well, he takes time out of his busy day to bring those images to life in Photoshop form and plasters them on Twitter. Just a reminder of how, of how insane both you and I are. And this show is, is very special for him because this took place on his 17th birthday in 1994. Is that correct, uh, actually, John? Uh, not quite. It was actually my 18th birthday. Oh, my mistake. It was, it was my coming-of-age oh, episode, as it were. Oh, and you're watching Nikolai Volkov in just his pants. 
Fantastic. The right way to come of age. <laughs> uh, John Eiley, it is an honour and a privilege to welcome you uh, to the Cultonic Classic Raw review today. It is an honour and privilege, as always, to be here with you guys. And John, just do us a favour. Do, do not draw yourself coming of age in Nikolai Volkov, please. <laughs> Don't worry, I didn't even, that thought never even crossed my mind in the first place. That's was, a good there, boy. was there something that you wanted to say thank you for, or are we gonna get you gonna drop that little bombshell upon us later in the episode? Then no, no, I'll say it now. Basically, um, I mean, I'm gonna sort of peel the curtain back if everyone to peek backstage. We're recording this on Friday, the 13th of December, 2019, and um, if I I actually took the day off work to do this today, and if I hadn't done, I would have had to endure Christmas jumper day in the office. And I don't own a Christmas jumper. I've never owned a Christmas jumper. So thank you for getting me away from that for the day. Well, the dates just aligned perfectly then. Also, happy uh, Jason Voorhees Day. Is it? Indeed. I liked liked the bit where he had asthma. (laughs) Well, well, that's how it goes. I know. I'm I'm just being an arse. (laughs) <laughs> as usual as usual so this is where we go back in time and we are chronologically critiquing thank you osw review every single episode of monday night raw from its very inception to its very bitter end or my death next year whichever comes first and uh, we are deep into 1994 here is justin henry using the power of his mouth to tell you where and when we are this week well it is a live show thankfully we're finding out of the doldrums of green mountain state wherever the hell that was it is Monday, May 23rd, 1994. We are live from the Struthers Fieldhouse in Youngstown, Ohio, or as Vince calls it, Struthers, Ohio. He just combines the two. <laughs> he, just, he, decided, he decided that the mecca of pro wrestling is in Madison, New York. Because I guess because it sounds like Madison Square Garden. Well, yes, it's just uh, he's combining the venue name with the city. He's confusing that for the city name, let's put it that way. Although Youngstown, Ohio is the birthplace of one Ed O'Neill, a.k.a. Al Bundy from Married with Children. Oh, fancy Love that. that show. My hero in yours. So just a, a little note uh, before we get into this from the Wrestling Observer this week. Um, Vince McMahon cleared of two charges. That's good. Uh, this is in the trial of his life over steroids. Uh, one of the charges that he was uh, acquitted of was supply was was the well the charge of Titan Sports supplying steroids to Vince McMahon the courts decided that Titan Sports is basically Vince McMahon so so the the court have figured out what we as wrestling fans already know that the company is basically an extension of Vince McMahon and his whims. So therefore, the court decided that it's impossible for Vince McMahon to supply steroids to himself. So he was acquitted. Well, he had some charges dropped, but the trial will take place in two months, and uh, we'll get a lot more details on that in the Observer because Dave Meltzer was actually in the courtroom when it took place. I'd love a Dave Meltzer courtroom report. It, it makes me sad in one sense that um, even though I'm happy that WWE lived on because I'm a fan of pro wrestling, can you imagine how bad things would have gone if Vince had taken the stand in his own defense? <laughs> Wearing that neck brace. 
Oh, yeah, he had a neck brace done. on, didn't he? Why did he have a neck brace? I think he had some sort of surgical procedure around the time of the trial, which could have been an excuse you know, for all sympathy. Like, look, I'm hurt. What do you want from me? At least he never turned up wearing those god-awful Zubas he used to wear on primetime wrestling. <laughs> his, his courtroom Zubas, his, his good Zubas for uh, special occasions. <laughs> These are my fancy Zubas. <laughs> his Sunday Zubas. And I wanted to give a mention to the WrestleMania Revenge Tour. We can talk about this a bit later on. It rumbles on in this particular year. Dave Meltzer is, is genuinely uh, shocked and impressed with how well it's doing. This is the post-WrestleMania house show tour. It seems to be really picking up a lot of steam for the company. Yeah, they're plugging these house shows a lot throughout Raw. Like, they're tying them in the ongoing angles. We'll see these two face off on the WrestleMania Revenge Tour and... You don't see this sort of house show pushing today. Like outside of outside of AJ Styles winning the uh, U.S. title a couple of years ago from Kevin Owens at the Garden, you don't see this sort of like yeah, you know, come to Des Moines, Iowa. You might see uh, the Riot Squad take on uh, Absolution or whatever they're called. <laughs> it's uh, there's there's enough wrestling to plug as it is without also plugging the flipping house shows. Yeah, house shows are just they're just bonuses at this point, and they're. They're almost pointless in, in a sense. I remember, and John, you'll remember this as well, uh, that they used to tart up house shows over here and make them pay-per-view events. <laughs> well, I was actually at uh, one of the UK pay-per-views. You were at Insurrection, weren't you, 2003? I was, yeah. Oh, mate. I, I, you got to see I, Triple H versus Kevin Nash in Newcastle. Yeah, and I got to see uh, Rick, Ric Flair come out gushing like a, a bloody gun, literally. <laughs> He was covered in blood. Well, as opposed to when. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I still find it crazy that Triple H, Kevin Nash, and Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels were all just knocking about in Newcastle that night. <laughs> it's So, Tom, have you been to any pay-per-views yourself? Um, not live. I've been to house shows. I've never actually... I, I've been to an Impact taping. That's about as, as mainstream as I got back when it was TNA Wrestling. I went to mm. that. I went to that. I don't. I don't really. I've never really been to many like TV tapings or pay per views or anything like that. I feel like I want to make twenty twenty the year that I see. I see a lot of independent wrestling. I'm a big like a big oh, sure. advocate of indie wrestling, um, but I don't see much in the way of like the TV, like the TV and pay per view events. I'd like right. to change that in twenty twenty. How about yourself, Justin? I've only been the one pay per view, and it's when I was I was six years old. It was SummerSlam nineteen ninety. Oh, I remember you telling me this. Do you, were you old enough to really remember anything from it, though? Uh, I do, actually. I remember my dad put me on, on his shoulders when like, all, all the baby faces came out. We were pretty high up on the left side of the um, entranceway. I got to see my favorite wrestler behind the Ultimate Warrior beat Rick Rude in the cage match. I remember my dad bought me a foam championship belt that night. Um, I, me- I remember going nuts when the Hart Foundation won the belts and Looking back at it, it was a damn good tag title match with Demolition, which I, I'm going to play just got really loud when LOD came out the run interference very late in the match. But yeah, I, I have quite a few memories of that show. And even though I was six years old, it was just such a wonderful night. Oh, that's uh, cool, though, that you were at that so SummerSlam. If you know the show, that's when the Rockers wrestled power and glory and Sean was hurt going in. So they did an injury angle right at the start of the match where Sean got hit with Hercules' chain. Spent the whole match on the floor selling his knee. So my the only Shawn Michael, the only Shawn Michaels match I ever saw live was him laying on the floor holding his leg. <laughs> Appropriately enough. 
and technically the only sort of Shawn Michaels match I've seen live then was as uh, Tom mentioned the uh, Triple H Kevin Nash match. Uh, Kevin Nash had Shawn Michaels in his corner, and like I said, Michaels and Ric Flair basically ended up backstage. And when they came back out, like I said, Flair was just pouring blood like there was no tomorrow, and uh, Michaels was just chasing him down to the ring. We are the society of guys who've only seen Shawn wrestle peripherally. <laughs> we barely seen Michaels in the ring. <laughs> oh, he got in the ring after the match with him. And Pound Gore destroyed his leg even further, but it was whatever. But anyway, enough of this frivolity. We're back in 1994 via the Ica Propowered DeLorean. Let's go through uh, tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw. Yes, remember last week when you, when Earthquake was the big world beater that uh, beat Yokozuna in a sumo match and humiliated him before the world? And look, and it appears he's on the verge of getting a big push once more. Well, he's gone from the company. <laughs> they wrote him out on the WrestleMania Revenge Tour. Yeah, thank God they had a camera that night. Because um, Yokozuna beat Earthquake in a match in San Jose, California. Which Vince, which Vince notes is, well, they know about Earthquakes in California. Yes, they had a big one four months earlier that killed about 60 people. <sighs> Ouch. Yes, the big Northridge Earthquake, which um, really wreaked havoc in like the northern part of Los Angeles. Jeez. I thought it was pretty interesting when... Um, that was pretty interesting that when they showed the footage... Vince let us know that the Quake-Yuka match actually took place before the sumo match aired, saying, subsequent to the recorded sumo matchup, he admitted it was taped. Which is weird. Yeah, why would you... Yeah, that seems to be a strange thing to confess, because then you're you're bringing the curtain all the way back. Well, how would you have handled that? <laughs> well, it's... yeah... I mean, Vince is always saying, you know, oh, you know, we're, we're live on Monday night. You know, that, that's the idea of Monday Night Raw. It's supposed to be a live, uncut, uncensored, unedited program. And yes, he's saying, you know, oh, you know, you know, the, the match you saw last week with Yokozuna and Earthquake, we taped about sort of two, three weeks beforehand. It, it, it kind of, you know, he, he's ruining the kayfabe then before he did it with the Attitude Era. Well, yeah, he had to do what he had to do because you're taping three weeks in advance or three three shows in a in the night, and sometimes the stuff's not going to match up. It was like when um when TNA, unfortunately, when a Chris Candido passed away, he'd filmed matches in in the corner of the Nationals about four days before he died, and then he had the air of the shows with him in their corner after his death, which was a little bit awkward. But they had but they acknowledged it that you know, this is obviously taped beforehand because he's not an apparition. Yeah, it's it's kind of you know damned if you do, damned if you don't, doesn't it really? Yeah, but and in this coming year, you see something that is just as morbid in WWE. We'll see it in about a month and a half from now when they have to air some stuff that's uh was very obviously taped based on the fact that somebody in, in, in the footage is no longer with, is no longer with them at that point. Okay, that's Not exciting. That, well, <laughs> awkwardness uh, coming up. Yeah. Well, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this. I don't look so morbid. It was um, it was a referee, Joey Morella, passed away on the 4th of July weekend. Died in a car accident after a bunch of TV tapings. And they were still airing his matches like in like early August for like Raw and Superstars and stuff like that. So, I hope they give a massive apology to Grown Monsoon for that. Well, it, it was what it was. I mean, the matches were taped. And it's, I mean, it's a shame. He's only 30 years old when he passed away. Yeah. I do actually remember watching um, WWF Mania at the time, 
and they actually did a little obituary for uh, Joey Morella on the shows and things. I think it was Todd Pettengill who did the voiceover for it, and uh, they were quite solemn about it as well. They weren't sort of, you know, acting over the top or anything. It was a very uh, somber thing, and like they do with all of the obituaries they've done, it was, uh, you know, done in good taste. What? I mean, I can imagine it would be because because Monsoon being his adopted father and all, you know, he, he would have had a hand in it, and he wanted to do right by, you know, one of the top officers of the company. And Morella had been there for close to a decade as a top referee. He refereed Hulk Andre at Mania Three, and he was obviously one of the most trusted people that they had. And it's just unfortunate. You know, someone that uh. Also refereed uh, Brett versus Davy Boy, I believe, it, in, in, at a Wembley Stadium. Yeah, that was that iconic match, uh, which which featured uh, the, the immortal line of "Brett, I'm effed." Yes, and... as it got underway. I was going to say, wasn't, didn't he say that literally like five seconds into the match? Yep, <laughs> and Brett Hart did one of the greatest matches of all time, basically on his own with the help of the ref. So getting back to back to Yuka versus Quake here. Um... Quake's supposed to be wrestling Owen Hart tonight in a King of the Ring qualifying match, and we get the graphic of Earthquake and Owen Hart side by side, but then they but then they black Earthquake out his half of the frame, but his le- but his left arm is still in frame. So, <laughs> so basically, yeah. he's still there. Yeah, I, 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 I want to say about. I mean, obviously, you know, they used some early photo edit and software to make the graphic and everything. I mean, could they not have just faded him out without having to do the wipe effect? You just do the um, Thanos thing. Yeah, just basically just just vanish. Yeah, I mean, if there was only someone who had Photoshop skills, I could have done that for them originally. <laughs> John, John, can you can you right? I know yeah. it's Christmas, so easy one. Just just Photoshop Earthquake's arm out. It's the time, doctors. <laughs> one, two, three, done. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Vince will be happy. I, I do a lot of Simpsons references on this show, but I. I I got to do this one. Tommy, remember the time when the Simpsons when Homer Homer went into space? Yeah. Do you remember when him and Barney were at that press conference and they were um being being introduced to the media as the possible candidates, and then Barney passes out because he's drunk, so the curtain falls on him, but his arm's still hanging out, and it's like very awkward, very awkward. They they, they pull him behind the curtain. He's That's saying he's like drunk. <laughs> I'm not saying he's drunk. I'm just saying his arm was a little awkward there. <laughs> I just can't, things I just can't see Earthquake doing backflips and I am the very model of a modern major general. <laughs> <laughs> he could have done it in his heyday. He was very agile for a big man. I am the very model of a modern general. <laughs> I can't stand snakes. <laughs> Watch Wacky Day. <laughs> Wacky Day. So. Owen Hart gets a surrogate replacement for Big Quake, and it is Doink the Clown. Or, as basically what happened in that part, um, the, you know, Owen's in the ring, he's showboating for the crowd and everything, and then all of a sudden you hear, did, 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 and Savage goes, who is it? <laughs> clown music, I don't know what that means. <laughs> clown music, I don't know what that means. What with the clown being on our roster? Now to be fair, it could be it could be Doink, it could be Barry Hardy, it could, <laughs> it could be Outback Jack. We don't know. It could be the boss from the Carnival, the was it the Carnival Night Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog Three? 
It could be time traveling, but Cheezy does. <laughs> oh, I wish it was. By the way, Adam Bajiti for the Royal Rumble. Thank you. Well, let's hope. <laughs> so, Owen Hart versus Doink the Clown, which gives me immediate WF Raw for Sega Genesis vibes. Oh, I re- this whole venue does, actually. Because is, this, is this now the new staple Monday Night Raw setup? Uh, pretty much. A smaller venue. Uh, Vince tries to tie it into the local college sports team, which is his inferiority complex shining through as always. Like, like the home of the... It's like, yeah, we get it. This place is small. We understand. The heart of America. The heartland of America. <laughs> exactly. Actually, so, uh, I noticed about Dunk's, Dunk's music as well. I, it's only until now when I watched this episode back that um, his music has the sounds of what sound like cows and sheep in it. Uh, yeah, like in the, in the middle part, there's like little horn things that kind of... Ha- yeah, you, you just, yeah, there's one part I was watching, I just all I heard, suddenly heard this was just this... I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was foreshadowing the, uh, uh, Henry Gowan's debut. Quite possibly, yes. <laughs> yeah, Doink was like the original Dark Order. It was actually like a hillbilly call, so Henry Godwin was coming in and Doink was foretelling us. I love the idea of a Dark Order with clowns. Well, we got that at the Spider Series, didn't we? We did, yes, we but did. I like it, but good. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so I guess Mo would have been Evil Un Mo. Nice. <laughs> Join Go the on. dark order, mate. <laughs> I think I just, I think I just improved the AEW tenfold by including the Bushwhackers. <laughs> mate, you're jinxing it because once we finish, once we finish this, we're recording a few episodes of the Twelve Duds of Christmas, which is which will be on over Christmas time. There's Matthew, Greg, Justin, Henry, and myself watch some classic bad wrestling matches and one of those matches that we're going to be watching today which we are recording for later use is the bushwhackers versus the iron sheik and nikolai volkov from heroes of wrestling mm-hmm. oh i can't wait <laughs> but, i'm so time... pleased i'm just doing these raw reviews <laughs> yeah mate you you you've looked out i've seen the state of our schedule it's disgusting <laughs> you've looked out <laughs> by the time you people out here hear this my soul will have already been eradicated <laughs> <laughs> Justin died on the way back to his home planet. And John, draw me his poochie. <laughs> <laughs> so Owen versus Doink, in which Vince has the audacity to say Doink may be a better scientific wrestler than Owen. I agree. How... <laughs> so Owen, and obviously hearing Vince from 20 feet away, hits Doink with this brutal Steve Williams-esque murder backdrop suplex. <laughs> <clears throat> All of a sudden, this is now all Japan. I want to think that Owen, yeah, I, like you said, now I want to think that Owen went, oh, really? All right. Dickhead. <laughs> so then Dink annoys Owen, and Owen sells for this because Owen is the nicest guy in the world. Dink annoyed everybody. He was annoying me, something rotten. He needed to shut up during that, sh- that, that, that episode. I could hear him on the other microphone from the camera. He made Hornswoggle look like Patrick Stewart. John? <laughs> <laughs> John, make 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 Hornswoggle look like Patrick Stewart. And John Luke Pickswoggle. Exactly. <laughs> Savage comes out with a line here that I think we can't let lie. What's that? Uh, which is as um, 
Well, first of all, he says, you can win by count-out, by DQ, anything can happen. And, uh, he, which is just crap. And uh, he also, as uh, Doink does an elbow drop off the top. Or is it Owen that does an elbow drop off the top? Yeah, it's Owen. He says, uh, Peyton Pinden, he stole my elbow. He stole my yeah. elbow. Um, would like to point well, that's out. Still, well, that's still Quake's elbow because, I mean, it's there. Exactly. He isn't the first person <laughs> to do an elbow drop, surely. Of course not. I was gonna say I was trying to, I was trying to get a little bit of history on this. I think Buddy Landell was dropping elbows in the eighties. Well, Savage may have been doing it a little earlier than that. But Giant Hitler was dropping them in the sixties and seventies in the UK. That's true, actually, but not off the top rope. Jesus Christ! No. Giant Haystacks doing an elbow drop off the top rope. You'd you'd smash, you'd shatter Blackpool. <laughs> <laughs> it would have a ton earthquake. Oh, crumbs! <laughs> And this place knows all about earthquakes, says Vince. <laughs> oh, Vince. Oh, you Did he hear Savage at one point as well say that he got a low five from Dink? <laughs> well, because Dink's his buddy. Because all, all baby faces are friends and all heels are friends. Well, he, 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 he's, not, he's not just Dink. It's not just Dink and Doink to Savage. It's, and this really got me throughout the match. It's the Doinkster and the Dinkster. Oh, I kept calling him the Dinkster. Oh, yeah. oh. die a little bit. And who had the cowbell in the ring as in the audience as well? Oh yeah, he had a cowbell, didn't they? It's like like the like the pig in Royal Rumble '92. <laughs> the pig? The pig in Royal. Sorry, the the pig in not the pig in. Oh sorry, that was a that was an English colloquialism that hit the wall there. Um, a, not a pig in the Royal Rumble. Pig in as in like flipping, as in like the god dang cowbell. <laughs> pig in is another word for god damn. That sounds like a jar full of coins. Oh, it's a jar full of nonsense. <laughs> John, you know what I meant, didn't you? When I said pig. Oh, of course I did. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a, it's an English colloquialism that is that I've okay, somehow, okay. somehow adopted again. I think I think because my body senses I'm going back to the West Midlands for Christmas, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, all the old slang is coming back. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> What's that talkie like, Pete Dunn? The yowdo I've gone too far back home. I'll be back home too long. I was in the Rumble last year. There was a pig in it. <laughs> All right, Matthew. <laughs> I don't know how you guys doing today. <laughs> I love how you make him sound Australian. <laughs> should I not? No, you absolutely should. I approve of this. I have recorded some more nonsense today, are we not? <laughs> Anyway. We, we put out a podcast, uh, me and North Wrestling, uh, the, the owner, Andrew Bowers, and uh, Chop, the uh, audio guy, uh, slash backstage gorilla. And uh, we, um, we we were doing impressions of Matthew on that as well. So I think, I'm glad I'm running the gamut of every podcast I'm on. I'm honouring Matthew Gregg. Matthew is now Jack Nicholson. Everyone can do a good impression of him. <laughs> so don't keep trying to win my count out, which is my, which is my old Tecmo World Wrestling strategy. Is that how you is that how you won most of your matches on Tecmo? Because yeah, I was seven years old and I was lazy. On WrestleMania Challenge, if you were Ultimate Warrior, you could bre- you could grill a press slam onto the giant out of the ring, and onto the giant couldn't get back in the ring, so you'd always win. Oh, oh yes, the hell he could. No. He just rub against the apron. And, just rub against the apron and jumps back in. See, I tried it and I never could. Oh, because you weren't good at it. Probably not. And on the uh, Sega Master System, the old tag team wrestling game on there, if you wanted to win a match, you just had to punch, punch your opponent three times in a row, and that was it. You pinned them one, two, three. 
<laughs> really? Is that all you had to do? Yeah. And if you wanted to go through the whole tag tournament of winning the regional, the national, and the international, the, the world tag team titles, you basically had to win 10 matches in a row every time. So basically, you, your whole matches would consist of 90 punches, and that would be it. <laughs> so it was um, every Ludwig Borgen match ever. I'd like to applaud John Eiley for calling it the master system because somebody's clearly been to Jesmond today. <laughs> That's how I talk, thank you very much. Master system! I, I may be from the northeast, Tom, but uh, some of us do have class and refinement when we talk, thank you very much. <laughs> That's why I said some of us have been to Jesmond today. <laughs> I've been anywhere near it. <laughs> Jesmond, I hardly knew her. Uh... <laughs> so... So anyway, fellas. <laughs> so the match keeps up with lots of moves ending in the Z. Owen gets his Owen gets his overhead belly to belly. And he plays a camel clutch, which originally calls a bow and arrow type move. Yeah, he calls it a Boston crab. Oh, for love of God, Vince! Like what's he thinking? But see, he did correct himself, he did call it a Boston crab, so you no know, points there. Like, oh, okay, I'm not if you go back just a little bit before that match, um, when, they do, when he does the, the camel clutch part, um, it's just after the break when they've come back. Before the break, Owen's outside the ring and he's doing the, you know, uh, smashing the opponent's leg against the ring post thing with mm-hmm. Doink and then the, the thing. And then when they come back, Doink's running the ropes. Oh, it's a, it's a miracle. Exactly. As Bobby Gaines would say, that's a miracle. It's a Christmas miracle. Owen and Doink do the Hogan Warrior double clothesline spot, which is appropriate because Owen has blonde hair and Warrior has, or Doink has face paint. So it's just like Hogan Warrior. Also, there was a good line from Owen in this match as well. And he's outside the ring. Um, again, it was just before the break part. He's outside the ring. He looks at the camera and he just says, I've got to fight two and a half people, a ref, a clown, and half a clown. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. Owen was magnificent. You really started to see here, not just wrestling-wise, but personality-wise, too. And also, uh, Vince said during the match as well, he said, uh, imagine a crown on Doink's head. It might be a green one. John? Wow. Yeah. Well, another one green. for you. John, <laughs> green crown. See, John's so famous now, he refers himself in the third person. <laughs> so, so, so as one comes back with his own overhead belly, which almost kills Owen, almost drops him right on his head. He goes for the Doink Awakening. That's when Jeff Jarrett hits the ring and tries to kidnap Dink. Jarrett sees I'm sorry, Doink sees this, turns around. It's the birth of the distraction finish as Owen rolls up Doink. One, two, three, and Owen is in the tournament. I thought Jeff Jarrett was going to kidnap Dink. And then next time we see Dink, he was going to be a mini Jeff Jarrett. Oh, no, that would be fun. That'd be great, wouldn't it? I'd be so down for that. John! (laughs) I know it's Christmas, mate, but crack on. Is it a <laughs> he starts his own promotion years later. He, he, he bashed pe- people with a ukulele. <laughs> oh, well, is, yes! That, please! That, yeah, okay. please! Will do. But the thing is, um, when Jarrett took Ding away from the ring, and he's sort of, you know, slowly walking back to the, the entranceway for with, with him, after he puts him down, Ding looks like he's selling that like he's been kick from high heaven. 
he's sort of like on the floor and he, he looks like he's crying almost and he's trying to console him and everything. And, and Dink's acting like basically he's just been sort of dropped from a great height. And I mean, Jared was only what five nine, five ten, um, roughly, but maybe Dink had vertigo. Possibly, yeah. So Doink makes the save as Jarrett runs off, and instead of chasing after Jarrett, Doink turns around in the aisle way and looks at the camera and goes, You're gonna pay! That's that I'm glad you acknowledged, because I saw that, and I thought, only in wrestling will you be chasing a guy, the guy gets just a little bit out of out of the way, a little bit out of distance, so you turn to the nearest camera and say, I'm coming to get you! Well, you're losing ground if you're talking to the camera! <laughs> what are you doing, Doink? <laughs> I think when Cody Rhodes pointed out in that one segment with, with the inner circle, it's like, you know, there is no invisible wall here. I could just come up there and beat your ass. Yeah. And he's absolutely right. It's true. It's true. Except that invisible wall was very empty last week. Nah, it's, it's whatever. It's what it is. It's Al Reed. I enjoy the shows. That's all that matters. They're great but, shows. AEW's been on a tear. NXT as well. John, have you managed to catch either of them? Uh, no, I haven't. I've never really had the time at the moment. Uh, there's been a, a new job I've just recently started, but um, I am hoping to try and sort of get a bit more wrestling watch next year, especially NXT and NXT UK. Oh, NXT UK is. I'm, I'm, it doesn't get the love that it deserves, but I'm still enjoying NXT UK. Big style. So, hell of a match to start the show, even with the distraction finish and the awkward ending with Doinka. Choosing to a monster cameraman instead of Jeff Jarrett. Pettengill updates the brackets, wouldn't it? While dresses the king of the ring um, clothing store. <laughs> or the king of the he, ring wing of He just adds more tees. clothes on, isn't he, each time? Yeah, and uh, he's, he's, quote, great line in it. You win, you win. You lose, you're watching the pay per view like everybody else. Yeah, he's, so hip. he's so hip. Yeah. It's like kids in the hall. He's hip. He's cool. He's 45. Um, <laughs> so we see the footage once more of Quake getting finished off to explain why he wasn't in the tournament. And we learned that Jeff Jarrett qualified over the weekend, beating Nathan the USA Lex Luger via count out. Wow. By count out. That's t- now, just, now th- they do explain how that came to be, how that came to pass later on in the night. Well, they should have the footage here as well, I believe, didn't they? Or, or, or does that come later? No, it comes later. Okay. So they've just told us he lost by cow out. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> no context yet? All right, we'll get context later. Yeah, thank God. We learned that one, two, three kids are going to wrestle Adam Bomb this weekend in the King of the Ring qualifier. It's an interesting matchup of uh, styles there. And the final week on Raw, Tatanka versus Jimmy Del Rey. Ooh. Now, now this is weird because... Tatanka versus or Tatanka's match for the tournament is taped during these tapings that are going on right now, but he doesn't face Jimmy Del Rey, so they couldn't edit this at any point. Unless they're trying again. Um, obviously, I think Todd Pettengill's part was obviously recorded before, uh, probably, uh, yeah. probably mm-hmm. for or so. At the moment, it was still at the time. It's going to be Jimmy Del Rey. Yeah, that's kind of. Um... Almost a no-brainer in terms of who was going to win that match, but it does get a little more interesting next week. Mm. So we get a little bit of tease for the other matches at King of the Ring, including Diesel and Brett. Yes, and then we have the tag title match. The Headstrinkers versus Yokozuna and Crush. 
I really hope the ring was reinforced for that match. <laughs> there is well, some it, big boys in there, isn't there? Well, it, it, if it was Gorilla Monsoon's going to tell us that it was reinforced. <laughs> Every battle royal, there was everything especially reinforced for this one. Thanks, Gorilla. <laughs> and of course, Piper versus Lawler in the battle in the battle of the century because because of their combined ages equals a hundred yeah. years. Should that not just be battle of the centurions? <laughs> Centurion. So we see Piper training at a rundown gym with a basketball game taking off the place behind him. Yeah, he's supposed to drag out his old uh, ring boxing, his, his old boxing gear from WrestleMania 2, I think, for this promo. <laughs> yes, when he trained for Mr. T very diligently. It just looks so almost bleak in a way. The, it's like the most bare-bones production for a Roddy Piper promo, which... Artistically, it was kind of the point because it's his video footage, but, but it doesn't help this company feel big time at this point, especially when you're running raw like, in these very small buildings. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me as well of um, the promo that Piper did in WCW against when he had a match against Hogan. Oh, uh, yes. Old time match there, and he did the he did the promo at uh, Alcatraz, I believe. Yes, he he stayed in Alcatraz for a week, and then he got on the boat, and he was all like out of sorts and well more so than usual and he'd be, he, was, he was very animalistic and like ah and like, like in, that, in that mood as, as he was being taken back to the mainland but yes um i get the point of these promos but they they don't have any uh gloss to them at all which is both good and bad i think oh yeah i get this... i get the aesthetic but i think in, in a time like as we as you both have said lads in a time like this, where where WWF does feel incredibly second rate, this really doesn't help. It feels like a, it feels like this is this is as good as it's gonna get. Piper, Piper takes exception to Lawler calling him Jurassic Park. Says, "Well, that was the biggest film ever." I yeah, Piper also skirted around the um, what he's gonna do with his winnings as well. He was like, yeah, the money you're paying in folks to come see this, you know, that's going to the kids. But he doesn't say anything about the actual winnings he's going to get from the match itself. They've been so, they've been so, so sketchy with this whole thing where, first of all, Piper went, all the money is going to the kids. And then they, they played that video last time. And then Todd Pettengill goes, so yeah, so as he said, a portion of his money will go to the kids. And then the following week, it's, you can donate to the kids at this address, which I still think is a little scam. Uh, and then this week, there's Piper going, all the money's going to the kids. Somebody have a conversation and decide what you're doing. Somebody talk, please. What well, Hot well, Rod meant to say, according to his attorneys, is that he couldn't possibly have done it alone. <laughs> I, I think it's... I think mean, it's two guys in black trench coats off camera watching Piper cut these promos, and Piper's just thinking, I'm going to win. It's okay. You have your money. I promise. And by, and by the end of the week, Piper bet all his money against the Globe, against the globe Trotters. I thought the generals were no. <laughs> they were using a ladder. <laughs> oh, there's cracking references in this week's episode. I'm a big fan of this. <laughs> Piper paying off his gambling debts. <laughs> uh, Todd Pettingill comes out with, with disgusting order in the pay-per-view. Um, he says, oh, it's on Father's Day. And he says, and I quote, 
Can you think of a better gift for Dad than three hours of guaranteed action, excitement, and family entertainment? Not that slippers is a bad idea. I just wouldn't want to see them end up in the dumpster. Right, Vince? I think there's a story there. <laughs> I think I think well, Todd Pettigrew has some slippers that got thrown away. Well, no, they were segueing in the, in the Duke's debut. Oh, of like, course they bloody were. Oh, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I mean, I like your version of the story too. It's just, <laughs> just very ham-handed on a oh. on Todd's part. Todd's delivery as well. It wasn't sort of sort of free-flowing. It was it was sort of very sort of sketchy. It was almost like you were saying, you know, let's hope they don't end up in the dumpster, right, Vince? It's a wonder you didn't start winking at that point as well. If he'd said dumpster, <laughs> I would have probably got it. <laughs> Because <laughs> he said trash, it didn't. It, a penny didn't drop with me. <laughs> and besides, you know, can you think of anything better than three hours of WF action on Father's Day? Let's see, bronchitis. Um, what else can you give Dad? Uh... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Paternity test. What else? Help me out here, guys. Food poisoning. Food poisoning is good. Um... Uh, a jury duty notice. Love and attention. Tom, Tom, what is wrong with you? Restriction papers. <laughs> I see a needle to the eye. Um. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, you got the point. But the point, the point is made. Um, once you hear our diamond on commentary, you you're gonna regret watching the show. You're gonna so, be. Yes, we, you're gonna be, you're gonna be, you're gonna be very aware of how much people weigh. Yes, unfortunately. Uh, that's a few weeks away, isn't it? Have fun with that, lads. <laughs> <laughs> so we get the old unbelievable spot with the guy in the Penn State hat, you know, talking trash about Razor and Sean and Yoko, and then getting his ass subsequently beat. Was it something I said? It's like this is such an old ad, but they're playing it because. 
He apparently won an award for it. <laughs> what and... award? Yes, yeah, he has an award. Yes, he got the leg lamp from uh, Christmas Story. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice the, the guy in this, the crowd as well was... Uh... Uh, Duke, Duke, Duke was coming out of the ring. There's a guy in the audience holding a sign saying, Sug Stalkin's next on USA. Really? Yeah, there was I a guy. That. Oh, yeah. The, the camera ling- lingered on for about oh, five seconds. There's just a guy. He's right up in the back of the, the arena by the looks of it. And he's just holding up a sign that's just got Sug Stalkin's next on USA. And I just thought, you know, yeah, mate, you're there for the wrestling, mate. You're not there to watch some trashy 80s detective series <laughs> or whatever it was. <laughs> Well, then Vince handed that sign because Savage can't do the reads right. <laughs> and when they panned in on that, Vince turned to Savage and goes, see, he can do it. <laughs> Maybe we should have him feel a crush instead. <laughs> Let's give him a match. But I brought the unbelievable thing because um, Vince gave a shout-out to the director who created that, a man named Dave Sahadi, who later worked for TNA and, and recently got hired by MLW. Well, I thought I recognized his name. I thought I recognized that name. And he actually passive aggressively insulted AEW when he got hired by saying, We're going to do what AEW couldn't do, and that's changed the business. Oh. Which is a very odd thing to say. Nope. So we just start a motorbike up near you, John. Yeah, just someone outside. Uh, I live next to a main road. I live next door to a motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> so Duke the Dumpster Jersey versus Barry Horowitz. Here we go! The dumpster's here, lads! Duke looks like Chris Hero here. (laughs) He does! He does, you're right! He actually does! He looks very much like Chris Hero. (laughs) Oh, no! It's a trash man! Oh, no! Oh, no! Anyway. I enjoyed uh, Howard Finkel announcing him with all the credibility he could muster from the city dump! Thankfully, later it became Mount Trashmore, Florida. <laughs> I prefer Mount Trashmore. Yeah, that's definitely a better one. <laughs> take me, take me, take me to Mount Trashmore. Take me, take me, take me, take me now. <laughs> and where everybody <laughs> dies on the slides. <laughs> <laughs> it is during this match that Vince informs us that the people across the ocean are eating bacteria for some reason. Oh, yeah! yeah. I actually, I, I looked this up. Okay. <laughs> I thought I've got to I've got to see if this is actually true or if it's just Vince talking rubbish as this usual. This feels like a Daily Mail story that gets circulated every couple of years. <laughs> yeah, um, I did a, a search round and I couldn't find anything to find to do with people in England eating bacteria to be more healthy. Okay, all I could find was something called, and I apologise to any scientists listening to this. There was something called necrotizing fasciitis. I think it is. Fasciitis, I think. And it was a killer bug that was going around in May of 94 at the same time as this episode of Raw was going out. It was a killer bug. So, you know, we weren't eating the bacteria. The bacteria was eating us. So it's like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, but not as funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Did you hear Savage's um, description of Duke uh, during the match when they the ended up talking about baseball? Savage is sitting there, he goes, he's big, he's tough, he's quick, he can wrestle, so what? <laughs> yeah, he just he, suddenly he turns like, you know, on ma- him. He had on him there, you know. <laughs> well, isn't that kind of the point that he can wrestle and then he's a tough guy? That's, isn't that why he's here, nominally? Apparently, but apparently it's Savage. You know, he, he doesn't play baseball like Savage did. 
I think Savage yeah. was, yeah, I think Savage, because it was segueing into Savage, like, with the baseball story. Like, was he throwing the opening ball, or was he playing a charity baseball you, game? I, the charity match or something the day before. So in his own yeah, head, it makes sense as a segue. But in the in the grander scheme of things, you've just you just buried the lad. Yeah, like I said, major shit on uh, Duke just because you know he's big, he's tough, he's quick, he can wrestle. So what? So what? It's like JBL on the ascension, but not as um incessant. <laughs> what do we make of Duke the Dumpster as a wrestler? He's a, he's okay. Like he's very basic in terms of like of his move set. I mean, he he's got a pretty good look to him in terms of uh, just being like a, a big guy who can move around well. I mean, he's fine, but of course the game is going to kind of hinder him a little bit. He his finishing move was pretty good. Well, his eventual finisher here he did he did one hell of a spinebuster though, almost double A esque. That should have Not... been his finisher. Yeah, no one can do a spinebuster like double A. Well, no, obviously. He's the real messiah of the spine buster. He's got them pivoting lips, isn't he? He's got them pivoting Exactly. It's, it's that pivot that's the... When he does the pivot, I just watch those and I just go... Oh. I just go, pivot! Pivot! <laughs> pivot. It's during this match that Vince talked about how the Warner brothers are from Youngstown, Ohio, or Struthers, Ohio, whatever he's calling them this hour. <laughs> yeah, and... It was also during this match he mentioned, I thought he was a late heavyweight boxer, had his first professional match in that building. Who, Duke? Uh, no, no, uh, Vince said that... Uh, he, he I, think he... I remember this, he referenced a lightweight boxing champion that had competed in this venue. It was Vince once again trying to add prestige to where he was. Yeah, but yeah. when does Vince ever worry about people who are lightweight? Exactly. Ah, <laughs> it, it is. When, when, I think it only counts on this occasion because Vince is desperately trying to make this uh, this arena seem relevant. Just tell us the Al Bundy's from there. That's good enough. Yeah, <laughs> the home of one of the all-time greats, Al Bundy. Well, Al doesn't wrestle either, so you can call him that. John, John, <laughs> the McMahon family as the Bundys, please. <laughs> I, man, Shane is definitely Bud. Oh, I'm trying to imagine the red bouffant on Linda. Oh, Al! Oh, damn it, Peg! And it wasn't bad, actually. It's all right. That's basically every episode. That shit was funnier than that. Come on. Yeah, all right. Sometimes they do their joke. So Duke hits the Dookie A Spinebuster. Yes, the no hold part Spinebuster. And then finishes with a running elbow drop, which killed John. The spine buster. <laughs> oh dear. You okay there, John? Yeah, I'm all right. You do finish with an elbow drop, and I got to say, he was selling his arm during the match because because Harvest is working it over. He was still selling it when the ref raised his arm for after he won, which is hey, you know, he's he's consistent at least. Mm-hmm. Little subtlety Dude. like that is quite nice. Oh, motorbike's back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Undertaker. <laughs> Keep rolling, rolling, rolling. John, this is where you go. Oh, you won't believe it. You won't believe what I've just seen. The Undertaker. He kept passing on, 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 Hang on, I've got, I've got to do the accent properly. Uh, excuse me. Yo, bro, I never. Re- you're never gonna believe this, but I actually just saw the Undertaker go past on a motorbike outside my house. Yes, Mr. Russo. Tell us more. <laughs> Like, what's the other thing doing in South Africa? <laughs> South, 
He's hanging out with Colonel De Beers. <laughs> oh, dear me. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. So we get we get an Ultraman with a two shot Vincent Savage at ringside. Savage tagging hands with some fans, and he pie faces some kid wearing a Bret Hart shirt. <laughs> Girl, kid, you're bothering me. He's, he's WC Savage. I didn't see that. I almost missed that bit. It was well, yeah, he meant to like high five, but it was kind of like weird looking. Like he almost hit the kid in the face. It was no offense, like talking to the camera and Savage is being congenial, just trying to do something active with his time at ringside. He's handcuffed there, and Vince is really plugging this WrestleMania Revenge tour. Fans could be guest ring announcers. They could be guest managers. They could wrestle because Savage can't. <laughs> so we get a montage of stuff that's happening at these very happening house shows, including someone named Trevor Raven playing a guitar. I remember who the hell is Trevor Raven. I don't bother to research because why would I? Trevor Raven, he was in Manfred Mann's Earth Band, and he was in Yes. Okay, so he's, a, he's obviously had some level of success in the business. Yeah, he's done Al Reed. I really undersold him. Yeah, I was. I, I thought I don't recognise him, but it looks like it's the sort of person that might have done a thing. So I'll just have a quick Google, and uh, yeah, we go. Man from Man's Earth Band, and yes. My, my apologies to Mr. Raven. Ah, it's the fine. Mo- Quote the Raven, nevermore. The more you know. Da, 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 da. <laughs> we get the home improvement kid putting over the action. Yeah, did he? In fact, was it Stanley and doing the voiceover? Do you think for that video? I think because, it was. Because it sounded like he was reading off a script for the very first time. Yes, Stan Lane is... There, um, was, there was no sort of character in his voice at all. It wasn't Sweet Stan, it was Sour Stan. <laughs> we get the padded sumo matches at intermission. They're really putting over this house show experience. They look fun. They really look fun. I want to go to one. Well, weren't house shows back then sort of the real moneymaker for wrestling promotions? The, the TV shows were basically uh, giant adverts for the upcoming house shows. Yeah. I know it was like that it was back in um, Jim Crockett Promotions days. Well, yeah, especially in WWE when they had like the monthly garden shows back in the 80s. The whole point was to get, was to get you to go out and see the show. They would, on our weekend syndicated shows, they would have Sean Mooney or Mean Gene or whoever put over you know, the upcoming Spectrum show because I'm not in the Philadelphia area. Yeah. Now you'll see Hulk Hogan defend the WWF World Heavyweight title against the big boss man. Also in action, Macho Man Randy Savage takes on Hacksaw Jim Duggan for the crown, and so forth. And the whole point was, you know, you're watching squash matches with Tim Horner putting over Ted DiBiase. But the whole point was, you know, go, go to the Spectrum on Saturday night, August, whatever, and see all this great action. And that was the whole point. That's where the money was. Yeah, when he had four pay-per-views a year. It's funny how the time has changed. I know. it's Now it's all pay-per-view driven. It's network driven. You don't need house shows. You could, you know what? They, they they could just drop house shows. They could, but they're still fun. I mean, especially for the kids. Yeah, and no, I mean, they, are, they probably are still making you know a fair bit of uh, coin from those from those house shows. And besides, I went to one earlier this year with the revival versus uh, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable in a thirty-minute tag title match. That was incredible. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that for anything. <laughs> 30 minutes for a house show that's pretty long that was the opener wow it's like two heat segments it was just a very long tag formula match it was like watching the express versus the express pretty much it's a great match best match i've seen live actually oh really i would say so 
And I'll tell you what, the kids were so into that match. They were screaming for, like, you know, Chaggy to make the hot tag. Like, everyone was just, like, enraptured by this match, which, which tells me that if they push this stuff on TV a little bit more, tag team wrestling, the revival as top guys, it would work. But, no, they won't. But I digress. Enough of the exciting stuff. Let's go to IRS versus the Italian Stallion, Gary Sable. Actually, this match is a touch more exciting than you may realize. You lie. Oh, would you like a story about Gary Sabre? Well, can I, just, just before you do, can I just put in here yeah, with this one? Um, first off, I want to say, what was IRS saying when they came back from the break? Because all you heard him say was move to another country. I want to know what he said before that. <laughs> he said, if your name is foreign, dot, 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 because this is mid-90s WWF. We can get away with it. Yes. <laughs> Um, I, ma- I imagine he was saying, if you don't want to pay your taxes. Probably some It's pretty in keeping yeah, with this yeah. shtick for the last 47 years. Right. Yeah. Um, but as I was watching this episode of Raw and I saw Gary Sabar in the ring, I saw him and I thought, this guy looks familiar. And I, I, I actually paused the, the show and just sort of looked at him, trying to work out where I saw him. <laughs> and then I suddenly twigged on. Um, I was watching... Uh, WCW Clash of the Champions 4 the night before because I was doing the watch-along with uh, Tony Schiavone and Conrad Thompson. What happened oh, when? Oh, you're hanging out with them, are you? When you're not hanging out with us? Yeah, yeah but, you know, you guys are always priority. It's not like I do photoshops for him. You're in this, Justin. Oh, me and Tony and Conrad are watching Clash of the Champions together. Wouldn't we'll be fair. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so was he on it? Yeah, he was uh, fighting Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Um, it, was Dr. Death 1? Yeah, Dr. Death 1, but the match lasted about 15 minutes. Wow. Yeah, so. it, sh- it, should have, it should have been over within about five tops if it's Dr. <laughs> Death, Steve Williams. Um, it's funny because yeah, IRS, IRS and Doc are both part of the varsity club. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say, yeah. Um, they were both part of the, um, the varsity club in Jim Crockett's WCW. Um, but the one thing that gets me about IRS, how on earth does he sweat so much? Oh, he's wearing a shirt and tie. He, he walks He walks to the ring and he's absolutely soaked. I mean, I'm a big lad myself. I'm not exactly the fittest guy in the world, but I can walk that distance without breaking into a sweat. <laughs> when oh, yeah. do you see the... Ted later? <laughs> All those hot lights above him. <laughs> it's sort of a confined space. It's What I thought was weird here, other than the fact that when I saw Gary Sable, I... I mean, I knew it's Italian Stallion, but I thought it was Grand Hamada also, because he looks just like him. But, uh, let's talk about how IRS was going to endorse Hillary Clinton for president. This is 1994. Wow. I'll I'll be him to say, but maybe a guy who helped us post WrestleMania 4 and 5 might step in and do something about it. And I would be like, (laughs) holy F. That's peculiar. It's scary. 22 years ahead of time. So, Gary Iris... Sabre. Yes, um, he's definitely a good wrestler because Iris had to go to a chin lock during this match. This match, because he, he had to wear down uh, the Italian stallion. Oh, he really did, didn't he? He really gave him, he really gave him a shoe in. But uh, Gary Sabre wasn't a pushover in this match. Oh, no, because he's the Italian stallion. <laughs> I mean, going back as well, before what you were saying about uh, you know, IRS 
and Hillary Clinton, you know, endorsing her and stuff. Savage at one point in the match actually says, what if they made the called IRS President Shyster? Wouldn't that be horrible? I thought, well, they've already done that with Trump. <laughs> Vince does give a shout out to Shaquille O'Neal, which is, which is kind of funny because he turns up in WCW very soon. And then probably stopped mentioning Shaq for a long time after that. Because Shaq was part of the entourage to get Hogan over in the South. Yeah, I was going to say, like, because I know Shaq was quite involved with them. It's weird to hear them mention him. Well, because they're probably thinking, like, hey, Shaq likes wrestling. Maybe he'll come hang out with us. <laughs> no, he went, played it. he went and played with the other guys instead. But yeah, and, Jerry uh, Sable. I'm sorry, go ahead, John. Uh, Savage at one point as well during the match, he says, he asks Vince, uh, do you know who started the Irwin chant? And Vince is like, no, who is it? And he goes, it was Ruddy, Reedy, Ruddy, Rudy, Ruddy Piper. <laughs> I was like, it's not that hard to say his name, mate. Savage has been drinking. <laughs> Savage is going nuts like one of the scientists in the thing. He, he's like Wolford Brimley's character. <laughs> My pancreas doesn't work anymore. <laughs> he's just starts smashing the ship. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gary Sable has the best tights ever. They're plain black. And on the ass tights, it just says Italy in white letters. They are awful, aren't they? <laughs> Lazy. It isn't like the FBI who has like the Italian flag on their tights and they wear Italian colors. <laughs> he went to some embroidery place, like a mall kiosk or whatever. He said, hey, can you put Italy on these? You want to fancy colors? Nah, just play playing white will do. <laughs> what, can you, what can you do for this shiny dollar coin? Well, you can write Italy on them. All right, do that. It's fine. I, I used to work in a shop which actually did uh, prints on T-shirts and stuff like that, and it, I could have done a better job than what they did. <laughs> Was it Logo Bear? Uh, no, it wasn't them. No, no. Uh, like, sorry, I just mentioned of a, of a random shop in the northeast getting a plug on the podcast. No, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not going to say which one. Okay, that's a good shout. That's a good shout. Yeah, there's a lot of decent ones out there. That obviously the Gary Sabar didn't go to a decent one. It was, it was, well, you may have got another one I was working in. Oh, say no more. Oh, John Pipe Bob Eiley over there. <laughs> <laughs> Just you can come back now. <laughs> we finished talking about logo shops in the northeast. I'm sorry, I, I was dropping the call for a moment there. Oh, that's kind of you. <laughs> By the way, did you know that um, Gary Sabal also, um, I mean, well, I don't know where it is with jobbers, but they always seem to uh, train the future greats because Gary Sabal apparently trained Mark Henry, R-Truth, and the Hardy Boys. Right, the Hardy Boys thing, I'm going to let you in a little secret on that, guys, right? Didn't okay. train the Hardys, but he was a jackass to the Hardys. Yes, oh, okay. And shoots. Right. Here's the story. The Hardys met Gary Sabar. Sabar offered to take them to WWF tapings to be job guys, like tonight. Mm -hmm. Matt did the job to Nikolai Volkov in this particular episode of Raw. Uh, we see them, you know, throughout the time getting beaten down by a lot of guys. Gary Sabar's normally on the same show. He goes with them, right? Matt and Jeff, for doing the job gigs, got paid $150 per appearance at this time. Wow. Mm -hmm. To which Gary Sabar took $100 from them each. <laughs> so mm. they get paid $150. Gary Sabar's appointment fee for them was $100. Now, according... 67%. It's, it's inflation shocker. According to Matt Hardy, 
on the Twist of Fate Matt and Jeff Hardy story DVD. Sabre ended up leaving the Hardy Boys stranded in Charlotte, North Carolina, when the three were supposed to meet before traveling to a show in Georgia. In the process, Sabre left the Hardys to fend for themselves, but still wanted to collect the $100 appearance fee from each of the lads. Uh, <laughs> Matt later told Bruce Pritchard about what had happened, and the WWF therefore started contacting the Hardy Boys directly to book them as enhancement talent. Sabre was released shortly afterwards, Partially due to this incident. Well, I mean, in Gary's defense, there's, there's elite fights who are going to pay for themselves. <laughs> He'd run up such a big bill <laughs> getting his own merch. Yes, yeah, Gary Sabre Gary is basically a radio edit. Yep, big radio edit. <laughs> so, Iris take, so Sabre takes over this match because uh, Iris wanted to, wanted to try and tax his um, appearance. Up, his uh, finder's fees that uh, the Hardys are paying him. <laughs> yeah, Sable said no. That's the story here. Iris hits him with a crappy-looking hot shot, and that crappy-looking right off, and that's it. This was not a good match. Oh, it was dreadful. Oh, it was dreadful. We get footage of Lex Luger being eliminated from the King of the Ring tournament via Crush's interference on Saturday, I guess, or whenever the hell that was taped. And an incredibly fast uh, 10 count from Earl Hebner. Even Earl was tired of Lex at this point. You I gotta just, say... There was just no pause. It was just basically one, two, three, four. And there was a, you know, isn't there normally a gap in between each number that you shout? Yeah, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, and so forth. But I gotta say that was a massive crowd for a superstars taping. It looked like it was actually like a major show. Quite possibly. Uh, I, I don't know if it was before or after this part. Um, <clears throat> but there's another classic line from Savage here. He says something like, "Intelligence is my thing." And this is coming from a guy who claims, I don't know what that means. <laughs> very, very right. Savage is a paradox. <laughs> so we have King's Court with Lex Luger. Do you notice how dead the crowd were, though, at the start? Well, this is during the live taping as well. Well, yeah, I'm keeping in mind, you know, that thrilling IRS Gary Sabah match what really you know really warm out it's like take the show and you can't follow that <laughs> so uh Lawler wants Piper as his guest on the show because he wants someone more charismatic than the guy who's coming out now but Alexa Alexa arrives and got a nice looking jacket on wasn't Luger just on the King's Court like two three weeks ago well yes he's like uh, Don Rickles still on the Tonight Show where he, he was constantly on because he's He's such a favored guest, and he brings so much to the table. So Luger blames Crush for him not being a king of the ring. Yeah, what, what Luger should have said there as well, by the way, he said, I'm out of the king of the ring because of someone whose name starts with a C, ends in an H, and has a URS in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> You're out because of Crush? Yes. <laughs> yes, Luger is the Scripps National Spell B, a uh, favorite wrestler. <laughs> trying to educate the kids with their spelling <laughs> so they plugged the revenge tour during this uh little spiel here because because apparently apparently likes attack crush on one of those shows but you would have seen it if you had been at the show you should have gone on the revenge tour yeah why aren't you at the revenge tour now you're listening to this go back in time go to the revenge tour yeah when crush walk, crush walks out with his arm in a sling and i was so hoping it was going to be a fake one like back in the day when he fought doink yeah you don't tell him uh, 
called him Will, but <laughs> here, here comes crushing his singlet tights and his immaculate face paint. He's got his arm like in this little rascal style cloth sling. It looks like something I'm, I don't know, freaking 1935. <laughs> it's just like the biggest contrast ever. Here's this sleek looking outfit, and here's this very rudimentary sling. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're talking about you know, <clears throat> Crush being, <clears throat> excuse me, frogging my throat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk about Crush, you know, being you know all decked out in his gear and his face paint and this dodgy looking sling. If you look at the uh, the uh, the throne in the ring as well, okay, when you look at the front of it, it's all regal and gold and you know, it's got the plush velvet and all the rest of it. And on the back, it looks like it's just wrapped in brown paper. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's like some, like some school kids project. It probably was. Plus, if you're on the, if you're opposite hard camera, you're watching the worst show ever. You really are. I think I think that about wrestling in general. You think if you're watching the hard camera, it's a pretty dull time. I'd be quite, I'd be gesturing to the hard camera, saying like, "It's all fake. Look." <laughs> what are you? What are you talking over here? Where we all are. <laughs> Going back to what I was saying earlier about me being at the insurrection pay-per-view that was held in Newcastle a few years back, I was actually mm-hmm. facing the hard camera. I'm just, I'm actually just off camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I was about maybe two, three seats oh, from. You? Uh, yeah, as you're facing, I was facing the hard camera. I was about six, seven rows back, uh, but I'm just literally off camera. Oh, got it. I was, I was. Because when I went back and watched it, I was like, okay, let's see if I can see, because I took one of my cousins with me, and I was looking, and I'm like, nah, nah, nah. oh, but then when I worked it out, like I said, we're like literally two, three seats from just being seen on camera. Oh, gutted. Yeah. But at least I got to say, do what did he, did he, done, did he do to uh, Chris Jericho, along with 9,999 other people. It's pretty awesome. Not many people get to say that, except the people in that room. We also chanted a very rude chant at uh, Eric Bischoff as well, which I won't repeat on here. What's it rhyme with? Uh, well, Eric Bischoff says, I know that the UK has mad cow's disease, but I didn't know it had fat cow's disease. <laughs> I remember that line. That was a, that was a quality bit of... So banter. then next thing, you know, next thing you know, all you hear is 10,000 people chanting, you fat, illegitimate child. You fat, illegitimate child at Eric Bischoff. Oh. And Chris Jericho is laughing his head off and he's going, you're calling him a fat, illegitimate child? <laughs> Well, he, he's a bastard on here. It's okay. He said it, not me. Yeah, that's well, fine. To be it's low. It's low level. I don't think. Um, I don't think A Cast will pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Lex wants to hit Crush again. Vince, Vince is like, "Hit him! Hit him! Do it! Do it!" Because Vince like the devil on one shoulder. Well, he did Lex... the same with uh, when uh, Lex went up against Ludwig Borgo, didn't he? Remember that uh, they had that interview in the ring. Yes, Vince is like it, the devil's advocate for Luger. Vince was standing behind Luger and he's like, yeah, go on, get him, get him, get him, Luger, get him. You, you know what you should do, Lex? You should, you should license a boss. They'll get you more over. <laughs> do it, Lex. It's the, it's the package's advocate. <laughs> so Lex ends up giving Crush the greatest love tap clothesline ever and Crush tumbles backwards and falls through the ropes and in a moment that wasn't supposed to be funny, but it was. Turns out Crush isn't actually hurt. It's just Lex literally outsmarted somebody for once in his life. <laughs> he then and threatens like, to hit him with the chaise long. Yeah, the, that part was actually funny. He picked up the goddamn bench and was going to throw it at Crush. If he did, he would have been my, 
my favorite wrestler ever, I think. That would have been amazing. And Lola, like, Lola just sort of quietly and uh, trying to make it look like inconspicuous, just jumps out of the ring and walks off to the backstage. He's had enough. He's had enough of this garbage. So then DiBiase joins commentary. We have Savage and DiBiase together. The main event of WrestleMania 4 is on commentary. Oh, my God. That's true, isn't it? Never oh, yeah. Never thought of that. That's cool. I like that. Apparently, DiBiase was at a cemetery looking for a body, which is something, you know, you know it's kind of conspicuous when you bring that up. Because DiBiase, DiBiase is promising to bring back The Undertaker. So... Well, he was the man who brought The Undertaker into the WWF in the first place. Ah, that is true. he did, and put him with Brother Love initially. Or as DiBiase called him, Brother Love. Brother Love. Yeah. And, and the Taker grew tired of hearing stories about the about chicken salad, so he's like, just give me somebody else. <laughs> and Paul Bearer was born, which I, took, which I didn't realise until I was much older that it was a pun. Really? Yeah, I was quite a simple child. That's quite all right. <laughs> I actually remember the promo that Brother Love did with Paul Bearer when he came on as The Undertaker's new manager. And I am pretty sure, if I remember rightly, Bruce Pritchard, as Brother Love, is trying his best not to start laughing when he says the name Paul Bearer. Yes. Hey, he refers to him as Mr. Bearer for a while. And he goes, what's your first name? Paul! <laughs> you, you just... It, it, uh, I remember Bruce Pritchard just looks directly into the camera, and you can almost see it in his face that he's just trying not to crack up. He's going, Paul Bearer. That's <laughs> uh, well, he was a pretty funny guy, Paul Bearer, actually, especially with some of the stories he told over the years on the shoes interviews. I imagine he probably was trying to rib uh, Pritchard a little bit, just make him laugh on camera, but Bruce just held up, I guess. So this is a big match here. We got DiBiase's new charge, Nikolai Volkov, versus the pre-broken version 0.5 version of Matt Hardy. The MS-DOS version of Matt Hardy. The prepubescent version of oh. Matt Hardy. He looks about 12 years old in this match. There, there was... He's floppy disk Matt. <laughs> oh, jeez. BBC Micro Edition of Matt Hardy on display here. <laughs> this when it, when it said in the match graphic, Nikolai Volkov versus Matt Hardy, I thought, oh, that must be a mistake. This guy has HV on his pants. And then I was like, oh, wait, as I checked on Twitter, that's high voltage. So it is Matt Hardy. That's great. Danger, danger, just, high voltage. Yeah, touch Volkov. He just wrestled on Raw this week versus a Scotsman. Here he's wrestling a guy from Croatia. <laughs> he's quite the, quite the career Matthew Hardy has had. Matt looked great here. Oh, yeah, Matt was very agile. I was 19 years old. He does like a springboard half moonsault thing that misses. Yeah, that was the most athletic thing I've seen on Raw in a couple of weeks. Well, it's Matt Hardy. You know, the Hardys were like the best bump guys ever for, you know, prelim guys because they would take every bump in the book to put anybody over. They were reliable in that sense. So it's just a very basic match. DiBiase is going on about Undertaker and about humiliating Volkov with his signed tights, which are actually pretty funny. <clears throat> and Volkov wins with... A Boston Crab, or as Vince might call it, a camel clutch, or possibly a bow and arrow. We don't know. <laughs> a side Russian leg sweep. Volkov looked awful here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, Volkov was pushing 50 at this point. <laughs> it's, um, 
don't know why they gave him the gimmick. He could get some a little bit more agility at this point. Whether it was just like uh, Vince wanting to give a job to Volkov, keep him employed. Oh. Maybe he legitimately did have money problems. So Vince went, okay, come back to the company. We'll give you a job. And this is supposed to be the new generation as well. Yes. Savage is too old to wrestle, but by God, here's Nikolai. <laughs> here's Piper versus Lawler at King of the Ring. Bob Backlund's still tooling around somewhere. Randy, you're on commentary. You're too old. I'd be mad, too. <laughs> yeah, you'd be livid watching that. <laughs> yeah, and here's Matt Hardy, man, putting over a man who's about 30 years older than him. God, it's sad, isn't it? Madness, isn't it? Ted's got a sweat on, though. Well, honestly, he's wearing all black. He's wearing a suit. He's, he's under the hot lights. It's a very small building. Probably no air conditioning in there. It's, it's uh, like that episode of Monday Night Raw. Um, I think it was the one where Jim Cornette made his first appearance. Oh, yes. Where and he, was, he was like sweaty McSweaty man there, wasn't he? Oh, God, that was some hot light action going on there. It was like an airplane hanger made of tin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. So that wraps up Raw then. Or nearly, because we find out we got a guest on King's Court next week. Yes, Jerry, the King of Lawler is going to be ha- having a world champion, Bret Hart, as a guest on the King's Court. And, th- and that may bleed into the King of the Ring in terms of uh, build. Oh, it may, you say. Oh, oh, one quick note from these tapings I should point out real fast is that Brian Lee was backstage at the show, getting ready for a certain role. Of course, I forgot when he was talking about when 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 Ted was talking about the Undertaker. I was thinking, where does this go? And now I Prime remember. Time Brian Lee. <laughs> That's right, chains. <laughs> yes, that was the bike we heard on uh, on John's end there. Oh yeah, spoiler, John. You that was we dropped that little secret in there. That was they planned it all along. Yeah, thanks, Brian. You ruined that one, mate. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's Brian Lee there. Sorry, John. It's all right. So we're all ex- time, Brian Lee. So we're all excited about the upcoming summer for WWE. <laughs> Thank, God. <laughs> Thank God Brett and I went here. Oh, so that's Raw. John, did you have a lovely time watching Raw with us? I did, yes. What was your favorite bit? Uh, Owen Doink. Yeah? No doubt about it. You know, um, Owen, as always, showing what a first-class athlete he was. And as much as I hate to say this, you know, they said it was on May 23rd, 1994. Five years later, you see, farewell to Owen. Yeah. Unfortunate, the unfortunate demise of Owen Hart, sadly. Yeah, it's five years of the day. It, it, it just, uh, I, I can't really explain it, but it, knowing that what happens, happens. And you're watching this guy who is literally at the start of, a, of a, the prime of his career. Um, it just, I don't know, it just it leaves you dumb, dumbstruck. Yeah, but look, we, we've got to get to that down the road. We've got a lot of a uh, lot of ground to cover before we get yeah. to that particular point. And uh, I mean, we've just seen the the birth of the career of Duke the Dumpster Drosy, so there's plenty to be chirpy about as we go into <laughs> the King of the Ring, which I believe is coming up in just a couple of weeks' time, Justin. Uh, yes, it's uh, four, about four weeks from this, and not not only this four-week stretch, but the next several years of this company are, are very amorphous and constantly altering, and 
there's a lot of influx stuff going on in the company at this time. And it feels a lot different from, a lot different from just, you know, a year and four months ago when we started doing this podcast. When you had Tito Santana and Ric Flair still tolling around and Kurt Damian Demento in the main event. And Rob Bartlett was on commentary. It was barely over a year ago. God. That's like a whole different company. Jeez. And we um, we will cover more ground with it next next time we are together. He is at JRH Writing on the Twitters. He is Photoshop John Eiley, who's joined us on the on the Twitters as well. John, this has been ace to have you here, my friend. Thank you. And can I just say before I go, hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoy what we do here, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at Cultaholic. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Cultaholic. If you like what they do here, they can pledge their Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Cultaholic. But most importantly, don't forget to hit subscribe and join us. Yes! I haven't got an outro. It's John Eiley in a T-shirt. 